Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Hello and welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This week, I'm really pleased to be able to share a very modest soul with you. Sunil Popa has over 28 years of experience in the property industry and has multiple interests, including a letting agency, residential investments, and of course, the stuff we're here to talk about, commercial investments, and a burgeoning development arm to his empire, which he's been building with his lovely wife, Gita. So welcome, Sunil. It's great to have a chance to talk to you and get a chance to let our listeners know about your commercial to resi exploit. So welcome. Thank you, Jerry. Really good to be here. Uh, really good to listen to your podcast as well. And I think there's such a big market in commercial rentals as well as conversions and everything else. So hopefully we'll, we'll touch on all those in a while. Yes, I'm really looking forward to this. So let, let's start with a snapshot of how things are right now before we go back and start talking about maybe how things started off for you and and then get into the exciting stuff about what's coming up in the future so just for our listeners what's a snapshot of what's going on in your your day-to-day just now well first of all i must apologize that wasn't here yesterday but we actually got onto an auction site and uh looking at some land so land is about nine miles from here Uh, it's already got planning permission for nine apartments and uh, it was actually on a London website with an auctioneer because it had been repossessed. So it was a good opportunity. And yeah, we spent um, the last 30 minutes or so of the auction, waited till the last 30 minutes. In the last 10 minutes, there were 70 bids between us and the next person. So because you can see the history online, which is where auctions are going. But it's amazing to see the history about how it built up so quickly. Are you successful? Yes, uh, yeah, because I think uh, I knew because I'd seen a valuation report that had been done previously and it was valued at 480 and we paid 262. Wow. Uh, and the architect, uh, we've worked with the architect before, the planning's in, uh, so we'd be ready to go fairly quickly. So um, to answer your question there is is basically, uh, like you say, we, we, we are buy to let investors or buy buy and hold old-fashioned landlord buy a property refurb it rent it out um, and from the beginning I, I suppose my my aim has been never to sell property and just to just to hoard and create income um, so that that's what's been happening but the government of course changed a lot of things and in 2016 they changed um, sort of the section 24 where you know landlords can't claim mortgage interest so that prompted us to set up different companies and move more into the development market but you also have a letting agency as well don't you and there's more of a day-to-day trading business there as well yeah so there's a company that look that owns our properties then there's a company called family homes that uh, manages 
properties for other landlords. Um, so that it's a full estate agency. We do sales and lettings, property management. Um, we get involved with refurbs, finding properties for investors. So it's a it's an estate agency, but our target is probably investors. That's our main client base. What came first? <laughs> the residential portfolio or the agency? The, the residential portfolio. So I was working on my on my own, working from home. Uh, I had a full full time career, and I started building up properties in my spare time. Uh, I actually worked for a motorway service operator, uh, moto on the motorways. So uh, I was uh, young, and so I moved around from location to location. So every time I moved, they paid for my relocation plus accommodation plus buying a property. So that's how I got started. Uh, and there came a stage when it was about 15 properties that I had to make a decision, uh, you know, to carry on building a property portfolio or carry on with a career. Uh, and I'm so glad that I, I do property full time because I absolutely love it. And I probably made more in my first year than I did in the 10 previous years working for my employer. Wow. Just to finish off where you are right now, we are talking about there's at least another two developments that I know of that are going on right now you're definitely filling your boots so <laughs> how many units do you have under um, construction just now or development uh, it's 27 so previously I've always worked on my own but going to some of the property meetings that are around and people say about joint ventures and getting in skills etc um, I decided to partner up uh, with one guy who's an ex-bank manager turned developer and we've got a nine units uh, at, a, at a location and that is um, the property was brought after auction so it didn't sell in the auction and it was a December and December is probably the best month to buy an auction property but we had to get it through in the, in the, in the allocated time span and so that happened uh, planning some of the planning was already in place but this is a conversion of four and then a new build of of the other units um, and what what was the building originally at the bottom is a corals uh the, the right. betting shop and yep. above it was offices okay. and then there was some land at the back nice so, and then, then we've got uh, uh another one which was a new build uh so uh, an invest uh, uh an investor came along and he said you know i'd like to get in so we partnered up with him he put all the money in and we've, we've built out four apartments, that's in Rochester. And then we go down to Dover, which, was a, which is a church, a traditional Methodist church, uh, which has been converted into nine apartments, uh, five two beds and four ones. Um, so that, that's, that's been challenging, but I think people start off by saying, you know, I want to move into commercial uh, property development. But they've never fitted a bathroom or they've never you know, had a fit a kitchen. So I think our experience on the past has helped because it's just the multiples of not, you know, one kitchen, one bathroom, but it's multiplying it by nine. So it's, it's been great. Nice. And tell me a little bit about the school development. We were actually looking at a college which is in town, which is in the town we live in, Sittingbourne. The college was a listed building uh, and it had a pre-app for about 22 units. And it was, it was an amazing building. But, you know, I think we're always guided by something in life. And, you know, that, that project didn't come off. But because we prepared for that project, when this school came on it, and it was a special needs school, and it came to the market because the people had relocated, then I was in a perfect position to say, yes, this is, 
this is the property for me and this is the ready to go. So, preparation really put you in the right place for it. Yes. Yeah, so maybe sometimes we think, oh, you know, we missed out on a deal. But looking back on it, I know the people who brought the college and they have to jump through so many hoops because it's a listed building and they still need to get planning and, and wait and things like that. So it's going to take time. But yeah, we're work, we're talking to them because there may be opportunities for us to do, uh, you know, rent the properties yeah. or do something. So, you know, we, we're always building relationships in that respect. And the school, how many units is going to come out of that school? We started off at uh, 85. We've reduced a little bit because of the heights. And we're uh, 78 units uh, we're looking wow. at at the moment. Yeah. That's so a big step up. It is, Crazy. yeah. From Yeah, it is. It is. And I'm amazed at the amount of reports that need to be produced and consultations. And But I've got a good team of people working on it, um, architects, a planner, and really bringing things together so brilliant okay so let's just knit back again then back to the start as it were and you mentioned there that you were out on on the road effectively and moving to different locations and you started building up this portfolio and what was it even made you think about doing property what why was that something you'd always thought about doing or was it just something that became kind of a default because of what you were doing um, no, I think from a, from an early age, like 12, 13, I'd always wanted to work for myself. And I became interested in sort of why people are successful. Even at that age, I can remember reading a few books about success and things like that. So that was that was great. And then uh, I went to Middlesbrough Polytechnic. And at that time, I, I went to I went to somebody's party, a house party, and his dad rented out properties. And it was amazing because his dad was there and I spoke to him and he sort of lighted the seed to to where I am today. And I think that's that's the that's the amazing thing. You don't know where things are going to come from or where that idea has come from. So from from an early age, I thought, yes, I want to be in business for myself. I want to work for myself. And then later on, I thought, yeah, properties, properties the 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 answer. Um, I, I can so relate to that. Yes, those early things when do. you're watching other people out there who are doing their own business. I had an interview from Gavin. Yeah, yes. so we're working with Gavin, aren't we? So he, he asked me about that. He said, "Oh, where, where did it all come from?" And, I, and it made me think about it for a while. And I realised that at an early age, I spent about a day and a half with a friend's uncle yeah. out in some of the houses he was doing up, and he was basically refurbing old cottages and things. He was a joiner, but he was doing all the, you know, the trees sort of thing. And this would have been about 35, 40 years ago, something ridiculous like that. And just the other day, I went up to see my mother, lives further up north in the Highlands, and I went past this house we went to work on, and there's a couple of vans outside, and they're stripping it all out and redeveloping (laughs) it. (laughs) That made me feel really old. (laughs) Somebody's going to do the same thing. But it did. I think that was probably the spark for me, was watching Mm. what this guy was doing. And I loved the whole building thing, Yeah, just mucking around buildings. So that it was only actually talking to Gavin that drew that out. I thought, that's probably where I got it from. But my thing's been really to do up old buildings. I really Mm. like old buildings, so historical listed buildings, things like that. And you mentioned earlier on about missing out on the historical one, the listed one, and getting the other. For me, I had exactly the same story, but it was the other way around. I missed out on the more modern modern building and ended up getting the listed one, and I was so pleased. You know what they they say, you know, one door closes, but maybe another window opens. Yeah, no, definitely. (laughs) So I think people can get disappointed when things happen, but sometimes there is a reason. I know people say that, but I'm a great believer that there is a reason behind it and something better will come along. 
Yeah. So let me, so we're talking about Resi, right? So going back again, we're talking about Resi development, or sorry, rephrase that. We're talking about buying Resi and doing buy to let. Then we get to a stage where we're thinking, hmm, I've got quite a few here. Maybe I need to start looking after them with an agency. So the agency started. But at some point, you've either fumbled over a deal that's to do with commercial to Resi, or you've you've determined, right, I need to start scaling up. And you've discovered an opportunity. Can you maybe talk through what changed? Was it just small steps? Or did you actually say, do you know what, I'm going to start scaling up to larger uh, multi-developments? Yeah, I think in coming back to the agency, though, uh, that, that started because in 2007, 2008, people couldn't sell their properties. And they knew that we were renting properties. That's what our business was. So they came along and said, oh, would you rent my property out as well? So it started with friends and family. Uh, so that's how the agency started. And as the agency started, then it, we got more income in. And as that income started to grow, then you think, okay, what, what can we do? Or what you, you know, looking at what is in the town of, of um, where, where we are, what can we buy? And then, yeah, and initially a pub came along. And we converted the pub at the front into three apartments. And then there was a large beer garden in the back, which we managed to build two properties, two two flats, basically. So for a very small investment, we managed to get a quite a large asset base as well as rental income. And you still own those? Yeah. 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 So I don't think he was even conscious, but, you know, it's just things come about and I was yeah maybe it was subconscious rather than conscious but then um, another one was just a uh, a small office it was an office downstairs and an office upstairs with a with a rear yard um, so we that we brought that and uh, converted that into a micro pub and a flat above and then the land at the back we managed to again build two flats so starting fairly small um, then we had a conversion of an office near the station and that lended itself to fairly easily to do one bedroom apartments um no requirement for parking because it was in the middle of the middle of the town center fairly small conversion and but all of these things are great because it's all within a one or two mile radius of where our office is so it's easy to manage it's easy to get tenants it's easy to do maintenance uh, although we have properties in in Stoke-on-Trent where I lived there for a, a while and but those properties are just simple buy-to-lets they produce a really good monthly income the yield's really good so it's just like farming keep putting the money straight back into into the pot uh, and to build that's brilliant just based around that first development how much did you get involved in the development itself and how much did you rely on a team on site i'm talking more about construction as opposed to the design element when you came to building out that property and developing two units in the back how did you go about the construction how much were you involved in that so I had more time at that time, I think. So what, what happened with the first, with the conversion was, was quite easy because we had we have a maintenance team, who electrician, carpenter, uh, handyman, et cetera. So we were using it like a hospital job. So when there wasn't maybe work coming through the agency, they'd go there and start, start working. Um, and they basically did everything themselves, but I'd be there, you know, once a day or something, pop in in the morning, uh, 
before coming to the office and go through what needed be, to be done. But it was it, the property was in fairly, although it was old in terms of a conversion, it wasn't too bad. And so know. they were they were already team members effectively. Yeah. So so the the incentive was in the right place. They didn't have other jobs to run off to unless there were jobs to do with your business, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that that's great. That's a good scenario. Yeah. What about the new build out the back? I did get involved with that, but again, it was more contracted out. Like the roof right. got, got contracted. We didn't have a project manager, so it was just simply contracting out what was required, like the um, the actual foundations, the uh, taking the ground level to the correct level. So each each part was subdivided and contracted out, and then they finished their job, and then we appointed an electrician, and then a so and then it as, as you get people around you i think the thing is is that people think you've got to have all the ideas and all the knowledge but i yes. think you i don't think you do because you know uh people will just come and go oh yeah i did this like you know in this place what about this or etc so it's also using other people's knowledge and skill but sunil did you use um perhaps an architect or somebody on that contract who helped administer it a little bit or did you do that all in-house that particular one was all in-house, but on the bigger ones, we actually paid the architect, like on the church, yep. to say, yeah, can you just deal with the conditions uh, of planning? Because it's such a big, it's oh, a bigger course, job. Yeah. I, I've always found it difficult to let go of construction and yeah. actually not be involved because I love buildings, right? So, <laughs> so it's difficult to let go of that piece. But in, in latter days, we've brought on project managers who are part of our team. Yeah. And it's just interesting to see, have you maintained the kind of construction element within house or are you now at a point, I mean, that large project where you're looking at a main contractor and then maybe a PM internally or an architect? I'm just trying to see we, how that's evolved for you. Yeah, so I think as, the, as it's got bigger, we've used the architects because he's done the planning and then he did the building regs and then he's seen the planning conditions through and he's been talking to the contractor on the church project. Um, so that's been that's been more outsourced and I haven't really got involved with yeah. it. So but previously, I think where it was fairly small and I could handle it, that was I was happy to do. And I suppose I needed that knowledge or to do the small ones first so that when we're talking to the architect or talking to the planner, at least there's a base, there's a little bit of a knowledge base to say, OK, you can do it. But, you know, can you report back or can we can we go through information? Brilliant, yes, because you've got day-to-day business there to run and other activities. And, and of course, by the signs of it, one of your key things is finding other sites. It, yeah, definitely. It's finding other sites, but it's also getting money or finding yeah. money. We're, we're <laughs> going to come on to that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other side of the coin is like, yeah, we've, we're fortunate that we can remortgage properties which are already there and reinvest, uh, but also looking for, you know, sort of finance in many different ways if it's through the councils or if it's through private investors etc i think that's where a lot of the time is spent now okay let's let's dive into that i've got it on my list i do want to talk to you about finance and bearing in mind that a lot of the guys that and girls that are listening to this podcast are already established in residential they've probably done a few projects they may have done some um refurbishment to bring a property up to standard so that they can let it out at a fair market rate but they've maybe not built something new and they've maybe not taken on something that has a different usage, 
previously, whether it's a pub or a nursing home or something, and now they're having to be a bit more creative, bringing in more professionals. But it's, I guess, it's just trying to help guide the hand. Not that we can do that in a in a in a quick podcast, yeah. but just some of the things that need to come across. And one of those definitely is about finance. So, what I, I guess my question would be: What would be your best advice to to those newbies? And they're not new to construct uh, to property, but they're maybe new to that step to developing commercial into resi. What what would be your best advice about raising private finance? I think in finance in general, in terms of bridging as well, is I would avoid bridging at all costs because it's not the, not the money is that or the cost of the money, but it's their ability to pull it back whenever they they need to, mm-hmm. and also the time go rate runs out so quickly. So the alternative, yes, is personal finance or uh, investor finance, but it's just finding the right person to work with, or a or a number of people, um, and it, people are out there that you know sort of they they don't have the time, they have the money, they don't have the knowledge, maybe they don't they don't have an interest, but they want to get into property. So there is lots of opportunities, and I find that just networking and showing people and telling people what what you're doing it does people do come come forward interesting and do you find that they come with you on a jv for the long term because you you want to hold on to the property or do they have an exit after a revaluation or something or is that a bit of a mix because i mean we've actually got private investors have been with us for 15 years yeah and we've got others that are only just coming and they want to do a project and move on and and have you got the same mix or how's it worked out for you i think on this occasion because of their personal circumstances they wanted to exit take the money one one of my partners he's going abroad so he wants to take the money and go abroad uh the other partner he actually wants to keep the keep the apartments because he wants a rental income so that's that was the objective from the start that we would help him to build something, build up an income, refinance it, and then. So that was from a beginning to end. Yeah, transaction. So it was almost an exit for you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So there was there was already I think pre-planned in the beginning that he, we didn't necessarily want additional rental properties in residential, uh, and I know that sounds, but I think I'm trying to get a mix of properties like more commercial. Uh, some some trading businesses because it's very very heavy in one area yes and there's no diversification um and all of those things so that's the negative part but the, the positive part is that we had a we have a system and we followed that system all the way through but then there comes a stage where you need to think okay i need to generate more income um but not from tenants so going into a joint venture with somebody where they get what they need, which is rental income, an asset, um, knowledge, the site, everything, and they put their money and they they come away with a whole uh, area where they can that, that they have income, etc. So from your point of view, um, we're starting to talk a little bit about the future there because each project you've been doing, and I've been watching the the church one um, on Facebook and stuff. It's a great looking development. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the school, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but each of those projects gets bigger, more diverse. Wh- wh- where are you trying to go to from this point? I've got lots of buy-to-let mortgages, so there is a debt there. 
And I was only having this conversation with Gita the other day is that at some stage we want to sell out some of the projects in order to pay off the original buy-to-let mortgages because they'll have the big time when they will need to be redeemed or or we have more mortgage, but it's becoming debt-free at some stage on yeah. and then having all that rental income coming in. So that's part of the project. But then as it happens is that, you know, I, I was introduced to a, another partner or another gentleman who was in and his background is more planning. He gets the site to planning and then through to development. And working with him as well, we found a number of really key sites. But that all of those things are done to pay off the original debt, uh, if that makes sense. Interesting. Okay, so you're you're still very much focused on resi long term as your your asset base. Are you looking at diversifying into commercial for commercial or any other strategies, maybe even service departments or anything like that? Yes. Yeah, so when when I like you know we've been on mastermind together and you know yeah. so I learned I learned some things on mastermind, but I think it's also the people that you meet. And I, and I met you and you said, you know, this is what you're doing with, with commercial property. You're splitting up, you know, serviced offices. And uh, and that was like an eye opener for me, you know, because it's like, wow, you don't just have to take commercial and change it to residential. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not binary. There are other options. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that was like, well, we can do something different here. And that it does inspire me to do a lot more in that in that way to say, keep commercial as, as it is. Um, so we set up a company and we brought a pub and, and we're not going to change the pub. We're just going to rent parts of it out. So and there's upstairs, um, which, yeah, which will be residential, but downstairs will be a restaurant. And then there's a, a hall at the back, which will be rented out again. But that's just a rental. But then that hopefully will, will help us to get to a, a, a stage where we can say, OK, um, let's do something different and keep commercial commercial. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a conversation earlier on today, actually, with somebody who phoned about commercial, and and they were talking very much about um, commercial to resi, and I'm very acutely aware that I've not done commercial to resi. I have done some planning to um, convert to resi, but in the end, the commercial element was too strong. The cash flow was too good to keep it as commercial, so we didn't exercise that option to go into yeah. resi. And I'm, that's not going to happen every property, of course, but the ones we've been doing, it did. Hmm. Um, but it's also important to know there are other strategies and that the more strategies you have under your belt, the more you're able to look at a problem building and find the right solution rather than going in with your round peg for a square hole. Yes. You know, it's much more about being opportunistic and finding buildings that people are struggling to work out what to do with, possibly because they're trying to make their model fitted. Yeah. And it allows you to maybe pick things up at a better price as long as you've got all those, not all those, but some different strategies on, and an open mind as to different yeah. ways that you can do stuff. And although my niche is multi-let, and, and I'm, you know, I'm more convinced than ever this market's going to grow and grow because of all the noises that are happening out there right now, um, I'm also aware that, commercial to resi and a mixed use development is is something i really need to have in my my arsenal if you will um have you found that when you're looking at buildings certainly more recently are you looking at them from 
predominantly the, the resi side or are you just looking at them now more increasingly as what's the opportunity here to develop this the best possible way i, I think it's it's the second one because again we've got lots of rental property and uh, the current you know sort of the crisis with with covid has shown that so markets can change very quickly and we've been fortunate that you know the majority of our tenants have, have been paying and rental have been coming in but that hasn't always been the case for some landlords who are maybe in in the student hmo market and yeah. um, and, and things have, have changed really quickly so i tend to buy in a in the town I live in, because I know the area, I know the roads and et cetera. So if, if a property, commercial property or residential property comes on, then it's looking at thinking, well, what can I do? And before it would be, okay, let's get commercial. And as you said, just change it to residential. Now it's looking at it and going, well, I could just rent it out and make a quick turnaround. Yeah. Or, you know, what other opportunities are there? Are, is there a nursery in the area? Is, is could it be used for function rooms or could it be used for business use um so we, we have 26 estate agents in our in our area all in a all in the same sort of street and we have solicitors nearby so i think okay we could rent this out to a solicitor's office so it's looking at just taking commercial property and renting it so that you've got immediate income as well as a different source of income yeah um so yeah, much more open-minded to what we can do with with property in in terms of commercial property now we're looking at the development from ground up uh to, to build apartments so that's that's a different strategy is looking at different things in at different times and i think we need a mixture just in case the market changes in one particular area yeah and it's not and back to talking, you know, and giving some some guidance for people that are maybe listening into this, thinking about possibly, I'm not sure quite how to do commercial, but maybe if I hang my hat around commercial to resi, it gives me a way in to understand how this works. But there's a sense of comfort around the fact that there's a residential element. So maybe if we go back a little bit to the first project and also some of the current ones, maybe. And, and the reason I'm saying that mix is that when you did that first project, you already had a team and, and a, a moving vehicle to be able to develop those spaces out. Some people might not have that team, and so they need to take a little bit more from your later developments where you've brought in other people. So what I wanted to just do is just talk about the team that people might need to think about to make these developments work. So if you go back to that first one and maybe blend it with the later ones, what what would you say are the key sort of components that you've used as a team to make those things work? We mentioned planning officer and architect. And what, what are all the things, the elements that people need to be thinking about on that? I think, Jerry, it's, it's actually working with a good architect because the, the design is important. But, yeah, property, sometimes some architects will over-develop in terms of knocking the walls out and say, oh, yes, you can get, you know, you can get eight in here. Yeah, where, need a, and then the engineer says, no, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> where yeah. if somebody actually goes for seven and uses the original structure, it's going to be more cost-effective. So it's, it's working with an architect and saying, what can, you, what can you do here? And maybe, you know, getting the initial ideas. But it's, for me, it's been 
building up a, a relationship with that architect from small projects to, to moving forward. And choosing the architect is so key because I've had architects which are out of area or they've um, got really good design skills. But you need somebody that's on the smaller projects. You wouldn't have a planning consultant because it'd be too expensive. So you'd have a, an architect who has a good relationship with the local authorities, yeah. have been well established. And you can find the people who have been successful on the planning portals and say, oh, you know, they, they've done this development of three, four houses. Uh, and you can see that their name keeps coming up on the planning portal. Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, if you know of similar developments to what you're looking at they've come yeah. up to go and study who's done what yeah yeah it's a great great tip yeah so i would i would say that initially it's cost effective and acceptable and the best thing to do is to get a good architect who's got um, some good planning knowledge so that it's all in with one person uh as you as the things get bigger then yes you know it's only now on the bigger projects that we've actually got planning consultant uh, you know sort of above 10 i would say you'd, you'd need somebody but below that we, we we didn't we didn't feel that we need needed it at all interesting so in terms of the development itself it's just the usual characters you need a building engineer again the architect was really good because he had all the contacts yeah so you know structural engineer um, building control and all of those people that are required he put us into contact with he then but you know gave us the quotes we paid the bills so uh, and he worked with them because he works with them anyway so he's charging your construction management fee to a point so there's yeah. there's a getting it to planning yes and then let's do let's go well or detailed planning and then there's the actual construction phase and he yes. you, you employed him to help with that yeah. yeah so i think anybody starting out jerry i think the, the key would be to find a good architect and they would have you know they would have the contacts to then be able to to bring people in, and they're the people who also sometimes have the sites as well, because you know somebody come along to them, and they may be another site that they would come along. So the architect is probably the key person, the linchpin, uh, that, yeah, that, that yeah, the linchpin that leads to everything else. Yeah, so you don't need to go into this knowing everybody. How did you how did you find that architect? Did you go through any others before? Were you lucky, or were you did you just do a lot of due diligence on that one? Because there's obviously it sounds like you've got an architect you use quite a lot now. Yeah, he was he he was local and he would he'd done projects for other people, and that was finding out you know if you see a building site oh we often find out who the builder is or you know but it's finding out well who he was the architect on there, and it's it's sometimes just visiting the site and say oh it's a great project and you may speak to the carpenter and say have you got your card and oh and do you know who designed this and then going back to the portal and you know planning portal getting there and then it, there's the conversation there isn't there i've been i had a look at one of your sites it looks great um, i wondered if you could help me with mine so um yeah i've tried other architects but then i've gone back to the same one because he's got all the contacts some architects are very very clever in terms of design and they want the their building to look the best in town uh, and there's a lot of glass and it's magnificent yeah. But it doesn't commercially work, um, and I've I have had one architect did a really nice uh, drawing. Uh, it was two two apartments. I had some land on the side of a building. Um, he was very good because the design was good. Uh, the local council didn't approve it, so we went to uh, appeal. We got 
approved, when we came to sort of say, okay, how much is it going to cost to actually build these things? It, it was not viable. So then we had to tweak the oh, design to make it, yeah. A bit late, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, picking the right architect that's going to give you a commercial element to it and say, yeah, my design isn't going to win any awards, but it's going to be making you money, yeah. which is the key, yeah. At the end of the day, good architecture leads to good price, doesn't it? You know, So there is a trade-off, isn't there? Yes. Um, it, just out of interest, do you have a figure, when you're, when you're working out your site costs, have you sort of collated a mean or an average that you tend to spend on fitting out rather than new build, but you tend to spend on fitting out per square foot or per square meter? Have you, have you done that calculation? Or do you feel that every single project is really quite different? Every project's been, been very different because of the actual what you're starting with. Plus, it's not always the same contractors. It's not always the same. No. There's, there's so many elements that change. And I know people work out, oh, it's got to be 15, you know, 100 pounds per square meter. Yeah, you think uh, that's maybe a wee bit dangerous. Yeah. I, I know for our point of view, fitting out commercial has gone from as little as 20 pounds a square meter up to 600, 650 pounds a square meter, you know. So trying to apply anywhere in there to certain buildings could be yeah. catastrophic in some, <laughs> really yeah. good in others. So yeah, it is. It's important to look at each and every single one differently, isn't it? Is there anyone else in that team that's been that you would say different than who you would have used in your just your maybe more vanilla buy to lets? Was there anybody else that you started engaging with that brought another dimension? I think uh, there were structural engineers who then who who have so much knowledge and it, it, they've just it's it's a world of their own, um, and also. We use a private um, building controller rather than the council building controller. And I think that has helped a lot because they have a lot of skills and they have a lot of knowledge. And a private one, I think, works more for the investor rather than the local authorities. Interesting. The local authority guys um, are very good, but there's been a lot of cutbacks at the councils. They're under pressure. Sometimes they don't often want to sign things off because you know they're updating their rules all the time and yeah i i, I think yeah if, if you're gonna look for a building controller like the first building controller i had he says oh you're very green at this aren't you so yeah i am so he said no problem we'll work together you know if you as long as you do what i've i'll send you the reports make sure that you do what's what's required and i did uh, you know, the builder did what he needed to do. Building controller continued to check it. And then on next projects, you know, there's more confidence that, yeah, you know what we did last time, you need to do the same again. Thanks for that. Let's, let's just dig in a little bit to lessons. And again, thinking about who's listening, is this as difficult a discipline as some people make out? Or have you found that by knowing your patch really well, that you've been able to work out and find deals that work. I mean, have you had some big lessons and big learnings through this process, Sunil? Uh, as I mentioned before about bridging finance, I'd never done bridging finance until last year. And the bridging finance is very expensive. And January this year, we had to pay back. Now, they were, they were the bridging finance company were good because you can say, oh, could I have an extension just in case? Yeah, we'll give you a 30-day extension. The extension cost on this particular project was sixteen thousand pounds for three months, 
the interest was £10,000 a month. So you're looking at £46,000 of costs. Okay, we are talking £1.2 million worth of of projects. So the bridging finance was 1.2, but the figures soon mount up and the year goes so fast. So I know people say, oh, you you can get into this deal because you can bridge it. I wouldn't recommend that for for any, you know, for for people who are starting out. I don't think bridging is the answer. So it's the the answer is is that make sure the funds are there from somewhere else, either private or from from additional uh, you know current properties that they have that's right well the the scale of cost goes up doesn't it yeah. so whether it's high street bank that's our first stop yeah and then friends family and then maybe yeah. not so much um but private finance and then yes bridging and on it goes up if you can make it work with that finance then it's it would be silly to walk away from a deal if you can make that work but as you say there are risks there's higher risks with when things go wrong, they could go expensively wrong, not just because of the project and having to exit it, but from a finance point of view. And was there any other um, things that you've sort of learned as you went along and thought, oh, you know, I should have known that one, or things that have caught you out from a building control point of view or planning, any, anything else that maybe would help somebody that's looking to do a commercial to resi? I mean, have you bought any prior to getting planning or have you tended to always get planning in place first no they, they've all been buy the property then work out what we're going to do with it and then get the planning uh-huh. which it would, uh yeah there is a planning gain but it then takes time but these are uh, what i would say is that there's two things that can really go wrong which is the finance part or the building costs now i've come across people who have you know got fantastic projects uh, and the GDV when they start is very, very good. The buying price was perfect, but they've not made any money because they've given the builder has taken the money or they've given the money to the builder. I can't say that the, the builder has taken it because he's he's just agreed the fee and the and the person has paid it. But the profit has all been lost in that center part from purchase to the end result. The middle part is either the finance company have been profiting from it or the building company have been profiting from it. Yeah, so it's just got bloated, that middle section, yeah. yeah. On, on the church project, there's been many things that we've learned um, revisiting the design prior to starting the build was key. Um, we waited near the end to get electric supply. Now, we thought, oh, it's quite easy uh when you want electric supply you know three four months beforehand it was actually six months beforehand we completed the form thinking okay we will we'll now need and the electric company come back to you and say oh actually we haven't got enough power in the road to do this so we'll have to go back to the substation which meant our cost increase for electrical insulation for for 10 grand just to bring it to the front door to thirty thousand. And we're saying, well, why do we have to pay you to bring it to the street? Well, do you want do you want the electric or not? <laughs> yeah. People yeah. think there's no monopolies in this country. There are. Yeah. We, we, we're getting a gas meter moved from one side of a 200-year-old wall to the other side. And what they're doing is they're not moving the meter, of course. They're just chopping it and putting in a new meter, and they want £9,000. Yeah. 
just on a commercial because it's commercial, it's not domestic. It's commercial. I mean, yeah. it'd be probably cheaper. Get the planning permission. Get it changed. Yeah. <laughs> get it done as a resi. Yeah. But it's so expensive. Gee whiz. But, but the there's monopolies. That's the problem with the utility companies. Yeah. On the church project, we didn't go for gas. We just went for electric and water again to save save that cost because it would have been an additional major cost to get gas supplies in. Yeah. And then we have to, you know, manage the gas supply and electrical uh, gas certificate issue each year and things like that. So um, it's looking at those. But I, I don't think it's as, I don't think commercial conversions and commercial property is as complicated as people make out. It's just getting the right people together, uh, getting some knowledge, yes, of course, and being able to ask the right questions. But it's getting the, getting the right team. So I've always said it's it's down to the people, isn't it? You don't have to have all the answers. So the school, yeah. Let's just nip back to that one. Seventy eight. 77 units are you sleeping fine at night because that's a big step up again and how, how are you finding your feelings about the risks jerry i think it's more you know have have they supplied the report that we need it's i don't think thinking about the overall yeah figure. it's all the little bits as in oh we now need uh uh a site survey okay well who's going to do that so you know okay these companies can do it right which is the best company so and when can they do it by so it, it becomes very practical in terms of obtaining reports and things like that and um, asking the right questions maybe so the overall picture doesn't worry me it's will we get planning and what can we what can we do to ensure the planning that's one of the projects but as I say, I've teamed up with another an investor and through networking again we had a gentleman come to me and say oh, i've got this person that's got some land and it actually it was a sports complex we took an option on it in the last six months and it's 250 houses uh, and a care home facility but again it's the same process as in the yeah, this one's easy because it's got an option but then we've got to get an architect we've got to get a, get a planner we've got to get a transport report we've got to get um bird surveys so it's all the surveys that that come in so i think it's just step by step that that's yeah. that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> i think some people would would be worrying about uh when we're going to get the money uh <laughs> what if something goes wrong you know but i guess as you grow and, and the, the important point here really is as you grow you learn new strategies, you learn new workarounds, it becomes more comfortable. And when you're getting started in commercial, whatever strategy you use, um, what I'm hearing from you really is you need to start small. I mean, that's, yeah. def- that's definitely my my um, my rallying call is you need to start small because you can fail more cheaply, you can learn lots, and it gets your foot on the rung. It's, it's part of your learning process isn't it it's getting in the swim and getting started if you go for some giant project when you start yes you may well succeed but you may have slightly less hair and slightly less friends by the time you finished it yeah so you know it's interesting you're talking about 250 units i mean that's a big site it's a big site um but it doesn't seem to phase you because you've gone through those other stages so far and and, it, and now your belief is higher isn't it do you think did you think when you started out that would have been something you would have tackled no no definitely not it was it was one at a time building slowly building one at a time and now 
I think it's fortunate going out networking, even, you know, before lockdown, that the years of like four or five years of networking have now somebody's thought of and phoned up and said, oh, by the way, I've got this project. I don't know what to do with it, but I'm happy to show you. And we paid him a fee for it. So things will come in the future. So it's, it's still getting out there. And interesting enough, I mean, you know, we were on the commercial property clubhouse that, that we ran together. Yeah. And I've learned so much from there. And one of the things that sort of I came or I wrote down was start small and grow big. Yeah. And that I think it was a lady called Grace. Yeah. yeah. And she was sort of, sort of, you know, how, how should I start? And yeah, start small. But then what happens is you don't have the vision on the bigger picture. So start small and grow big is 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 what I wrote down. And I think, you know, if anybody listening to this thinks, well, what's going to be my mantra for the next three months? It's just start small and grow big. So, you know, if they keep saying that, I'm sure the bigger projects will come. Yeah. But they'll have stepping stones on the smaller ones first. But yeah, so. the small ones are so, so important. It's it's the knowledge, it, you know, the risk is lower. It's um that income is then pays for the reports on the next projects, the bigger projects, which the fees go up. Yeah. but it's one feeds the other all the way along it's the line. It's a process, isn't it? It's a process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Great. Okay. Um, let's just talk briefly um, about any other kind of, I guess, advice you would give people to find deals. Because you're you, the ones you're talking about there have come to you through networking, um, and that takes time to build up, of course. But, you know, in the early days, you had other deals brought to you. And have they all come from networking? Because you did mention about actually just seeing billboards and going and look at stuff. But what, if somebody's getting started, what would you say about, you know, finding deals? Because that can often be a struggle for people. I think lots of people go and look out of their area and they don't know the area. And then they end up with a project which they have to manage at distance. and. When, when you're looking at bigger, bigger projects, I think it's it's really good to stay local. I mean, you know, you're in Scotland and you'll, you'll stay local to where you are and I'm in Kent and I'll stay local to where I am. But So so staying local has these major advantages of being able to prop into that project, um, finding tradespeople, finding architects, finding all the people that will be required to make it successful. Um, so, yeah, um, billboards, um, commercial agents. In every town, there are commercial agents. And it's getting to know those commercial agents, who, who they are, um, where they operate, um, et cetera. But I know you've indicated before that they don't always trust people until a major deal goes through and then the door just opens up. And then if you ring them up or they ring as soon as they got a property, they'll be ringing you saying I've got this property. So it's just getting that first one, I think is key. Um, but if people know that you're in the business of buying property, or you, then I think the deals come quicker. So it's getting that message out either via social media or leaflets, or but it's penetrating a, a small area um, is, is very, very important, I think. Yeah, you get known as the go-to person. Yeah, definitely. You said before, you know, you're, you're in, in Scotland, I'm here, Gavin's in Ireland, and, and we're all saying the same thing, that once once they know that you're in that business, and our business is called Family Homes, our estate agency, 
but we do a lot of small commercial lets with small shops um, in the town. So now people come to us and say, oh, uh, we had another agent. He says he has his own estate agency, but he'll come to us to let his commercial property because they're not yeah. in, that, in that market. But so our name may be Family Homes. It's, yeah, is not coinciding with commercial, but people know that we buy commercial property. So if I draw out of this then, so what we're saying is start small. Yeah. Um, but have a vision for bigger stuff. Yeah. Or have patience that will take time to get there, but go out and learn, get in the swim. If you want to find better and better deals, network. But when you do get a bite or somebody who's starting to work with you from an agent point of view, make sure that you do what you say you're going to do. Because the thing is, an agent, when they have a their client often is the person selling the property, although you can employ them to find properties for you, but it's often the seller. And therefore, if they're going to talk to you or they're going to talk to anyone, they need to know they're serious because they don't want egg on their face. They want to be able to sell this property because often their customers that are selling properties have number a number of properties. And over the years, they're always selling properties for them. So they need to have that relationship with that customer that when they bring a, a potential buyer to that seller, that they know it's going to get done. Or yeah. at least if it's not, the decision will be quickly and they're professional about it. So start small, make sure you're building the relationships um, it may be that it's going to take time, so be patient. Get out there networking straight away, yeah, and work your way up. Think big, but start small. Oh, private finance, of course, that's through networking too, wasn't it? My nature is I'm fairly shy, but I've had to get out there in many respects and then work hard. I think you know we forget that uh, sometimes property is people say, oh yes, you know you'll get you just get into it and you'll make lots of money. Um, I think it's been very consistent and working hard uh, at what you do and committing to it on a longer term basis. The relationships, committing to relationships long term. You hear in many estate agencies or, you know, this, this, this uh, one in three sales will fall out in a, in a residential. You never hear that in commercial. Mm. Commercial, as you say, is, is very much, you know, you're dealing with business to business. Um, they've got you know the, the agent has got his reputation to think of it's and, a lot and less might, emotion yeah. yes yeah the other thing i was going to ask you is about planning and how those particularly in england it doesn't affect us so much in scotland but there is um obviously some situations down in england where you potentially have um, permitted development rights mm -hmm. but listening to you and your story so far it's not been a big topic and I know that in July, things are going to change again and things are moving into, is it planning class E, I think yeah. it is. And we don't all quite know exactly how that's going to look. But but what's your approach been? I mean, is, is permitted development the holy grail for you or is actually just, well, if that fits this particular project that I'm doing, great. But if not, I'm going to carry on anyway. What What's your view on it? I think it's the second is, you know, it's because, again, I'm trying to work in a, in a locality. It's what commercial properties come on and then what can we do with them? And they not may not be in permitted development. So I think it may be permitted development for many people is overstated. And they think, well, now I've got to find something with permitted development because it makes it easier. But then the numbers may not be easy to, to do. And it may be in the wrong location, location in terms of it may be further out. 
and their bill costs may go up. That's yeah. back to that silo thing again, isn't it? I'm just looking for that yeah. and it's got to fit this. And if it doesn't, I'll need to go and look at something else rather than looking at the property because that yeah. sometimes is the best bit, isn't it? It's working out what you can do with it. That's that's refreshing to hear. And I think it's, it's partly... It's great because you're you're in Scotland and, you know, so if somebody's got a property in this area and they contact you, they can run through the numbers and they can run through things. And it's you've got an outside viewpoint, haven't you, and saying, okay, yes, I can, you know, this is what I would do with it. Yeah, and and looking at things in a slightly different viewpoint, I guess. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Just let's go there for a second. Have you, I know you've been developing your own masterminds, you know, with um, local property network. And, and I mean, have you thought of sharing some of your experiences in any more sort of formal way? Because, you know, all of us going down our different tracks are learning so much. It's only when you get a chance to have a conversation like this and you look back and think, gee whiz, actually, I've actually learned quite a lot here. If I yeah. knew that when I started, I might have got on a lot faster. Have you got any thoughts as to doing that, supporting people in doing commercial to resi or any other developments areas that you're doing? I have, Jerry. It is time because, like you're saying, do you have a project manager and all of those things? So we all got to the next step where we now need to look at recruitment again. Um, you know, we've, we've, we were on Mastermind and, you know, sort of people were saying, do you have a PA? Do you have various people that, that support yeah. you? And all of those things, at the moment, I'm looking at to say, oh, okay, can I delegate some of the work? Can I do certain things? Um and that leads to the education to have the time to say, okay, could we be providing something of benefit to other people on education, etc.? I feel comfortable at this stage now saying, yeah, I could look at sort of helping somebody or, uh, you know, showing them around our projects, sharing information. Previously, I, I wouldn't have done it because I think there are trainers out there who are good at training and they are in the training arena they're not developers they're not in in property they may have a few properties but i think you've got to have walk the talk learn the lessons and say this is how it is and i think that's like your training that you do the mastermind that you run is great in that sense because you're actually doing what you're actually showing other people and i think that's so incredible yeah, I think there's there's kind of there's three elements. I went through this actually just in a podcast. There's three elements to what we do. One one side of it is investing in property. It's finding the right property, being creative, redeveloping. But the redevelopment is another piece, isn't it? So do you do the redevelopment or does somebody else do the redevelopment? And then if you decide to keep it, which you and I both do, You've then got the operation side. For me, it's my business that looks after our commercial customers. For you, it's your business that looks after the residential renters and, and um, customers. So there's three bits, isn't there? And, yes. and you don't have to do all of them. You could just do one of them. But, the, but there are a few people out there that maybe have great experience in creating value flipping, hmm. but not necessarily in delivering the development and all the buildability stuff we've just been talking about, or indeed operating them at the other end. And, and it, I think it's important to understand that there are different sectors there and each one brings a different skill set. Um, depending on what you want to learn, yes. depending on where you need to go for those, for those different elements. But it is interesting that you, although you're in resi, you have the same sort of strategies as me, which is, okay, I'm, I'm going to be creative as I can, 
Hmm. But um, I'm also going to be involved in the development side because it's really important to delivering what effectively is a product that I'm going to keep. Yeah. And then I need the operating business to look after it. It's quite interesting, isn't it? We're yeah. both doing the same thing, really. Yeah. I, th- I think you've got loads to offer, you Thank know, you. in terms of supporting others. I mean, when we've done some rooms together on Clubhouse, you know, I just think you've got a really good approach and your knowledge is very deep. So you definitely come and help me anyway. No, we definitely need to have a look at, you know, what we can do. I feel, as they say, I feel more comfortable now to look at those things. I think the clubhouse rooms have been great. And I think if anybody's not on clubhouse and they want an invitation, then they should contact us. And, and that's that's really good because that's amazing networking in a, in a lockdown at the moment. It's been launched yeah. an absolutely brilliant time. Each of a time, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there are, and I, and I, as I said to you the other day, I'm very, very excited at this time of at this time because commercial property is going to be more available because um, some people need to exit out of the market because of the current pandemic yep. because of various things they may be you know there may be people thinking well i've got to retirement in three or four years time but you know what i don't want to carry on now so i'll exit at this stage yeah. so plans may be brought forward for some people and that's the opportunity and um, i'm again releasing more funds from our portfolio to go and do more projects the money will come for people i think it's you know finding the deals people say there's no deal it's finding the deal because it, it always seems to flow the money seems to flow once the deal is found Brilliant. Okay, I think we need to wrap up. It's been really fascinating. Thank Thanks you. for joining me. I, I do love these conversations because although my guests, I generally know them and I feel I know some of them really well, going through this interrogation helps me understand a lot more about what makes them tick and, and, and what's been going on. If somebody wants to follow this up and find out more about you or indeed the, the mastermind that I know that you are working with on a local basis, how can they find you? I'll pop these in the show notes as well, Sunil. So where, where should yeah, they look? Got a Property Millionaire Mastermind website, familyhomes.co.uk. Yep. I am fairly old fashioned. I still use my mobile all the time and I do give my mobile out to everybody. And you know, so I do spend a lot of time on my phone just speaking to people. And I think social media is amazing, but just speaking to people and they can pick up the phone. I've had, before our conversation, our bank manager phoned me and he said, oh, he's, he's got somebody that uh, needs accommodation. They're selling their house, but the sale is being delayed. So they need to go and move somewhere else in, in order to sell. Now, again, that's good because he feels that, you know, you can just pick up the phone and have that conversation. Well, pop that in the notes. You're on LinkedIn. Yes. You and I are doing stuff with Gavin and others on Clubhouse. Well, thank you very much. I hope you all enjoyed that um, interview today as much as I have. If you would like to pick up on any more information about commercial property, then do do join us in Facebook Commercial Property Investor. There'll be a little tag there where you can click um, view group or join group. If you do that, answer a couple of questions and then we'll let you in there and you can ask any questions you like about commercial. Um, When this podcast goes live, there'll be a little thread there in that group. So if you have any questions that's arisen from this um, chat, there's a way there of getting in touch and asking anything you'd like to know. So thanks very much. Thank you all for your reviews. Really appreciate it. There's more reviews coming through. They're so helpful because it does mean that Our profile for the podcast lifts further, which allows us to meet new people, which we can all share and learn from. So really looking forward to speaking to you again next week. Thanks for tuning in.